Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, y'all. I am so excited to tell you about today's podcast sponsor. I was introduced to Rovectin brand, which is a Korean beauty brand, a few months back. And being a huge product person, I'm a little bit gullible and love to try new products, but I was a little hesitant until my friend said that it absolutely would change my skin. And I love it. It has clean ingredients, vegan and cruelty-free, of course. But what's really fascinating is its story. Rovectin was started as a skincare line to help people who had gone through skin deterioration because of chemotherapy. But they also learned that the same formula was helpful for people with any kind of sensitive skin type. Revectin comes from the Latin word reverti, meaning to go back to where it was. So as they focus on restoring the skin barrier to its naturally healthy state, I focus on restoring your body to its natural healthy state. So it totally made sense for me to fall in love with this. I feel like we're on the same vibe and it really worked. I use my favorite product is this multi-oil advanced formula and I've used it on my face and I swear my face feels like a baby skin now. And what's interesting is I don't have to use as much oil as I used to because I feel like this Rovectin really helped me to restore that natural healthy state. It feels so good, and I also use a cleanser in a way that I hadn't really used cleansers before because it doesn't feel like it dries me out. So I would love for you to go try out Rovectin. I highly recommend it. You can find it at Rovectin, R-O-V-E-C-T-I-N dot com, and use code LIT15 to save money. I can't wait to hear about what you think about Rovectin. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Monthly Motivation. This is the beginning of May. It is a month that we celebrate Mother's, Mother's Day, at least here in the United States. And so I thought the topic of mothering and caregiving would be a great one to review in the podcast today. Mothering, by definition, means relating to or characteristic of a mother, especially in being caring, protective, and kind. But just to be fully inclusive, I want to make sure that 
when we talk about mothering or caregiving, that we really include all of those who are caregivers. And that doesn't mean you're a mother, but you might be caregiving for someone else, a parent, um, a spouse. Maybe you're not there yet, but these tips I'm hoping to share and some of my own stories as being a mother, but also observing my mother, who is just such a badass, um, I hope that it helps because this is, being a caregiver is a beautiful duty and it's also incredibly stressful at times. It could be very lonely and plenty of people will write about how being a caregiver um, has been very difficult on their mental and emotional and physical health. And so let's first review my mom. So if you've heard my podcast before, you might know I am a triplet. Yes, I have two identical brothers and we were all born on Halloween. And I have an older brother as well. So my mom and dad were probably planning for two to three kids. And I know that because I don't think they were planning for four. My mom had some aspirations of going back to school. She's one of the most brilliant people I know. And she was really coming to womanhood and becoming a mother at the time where um, women's rights had not yet peaked. And so, you know, staying home as a caregiver was much more common. Um, it, you know, nowadays, theme still is there, but many more mothers um, are, are venturing out and working, and they don't feel like they have to be the ones that stay at home. And some choose to stay home. It, it's just more of that kind of opportunities available and is accepted more than it was when I was a child. Nonetheless, um, my mom was wanting to you know, use her brain outside of being uh, caregiver at home. But then she had triplets and that probably immediately put the brakes on that idea because my, my dad was a surgical resident at the time we were born and he was working every other night, a uh, 24 hour call. So he would be on call. And then the day that he was off, he would be exhausted. So he might've been still at the hospital or he would come home and he really wasn't probably too much help. So my mom had four kids under two and a half years, and I just so appreciate the true valor it took to raise us, I mean, to have four helpless little babies, and you only have two hands. So uh, she, did a, <laughs> she did a wonderful job. I have great memories of my childhood, and one thing I don't remember is her losing her shit, you know? Um, and so I... Th begin to think, what is it that she did that helped her? Because that's it was it was a 24-7 you know, job. And even when we went to school, it wasn't like she had the day off. She was doing stuff for the house, doing stuff for us. Um, that's feeding a lot of mouths. That's doing all of the home care activities. So caregivers do a lot besides, you know, human personal caregiving. And one thing I did notice that my mom would do, and she still does it to this day, is at some point she would always go off into her own room 
and she would read. And I notice even now when we have big gatherings at my house, at my, you know, the house that I grew up in, my mom will be involved in all that, but she always removes herself and goes off and reads the newspaper or reads a book. And that was her way of recharging and nurturing herself. And I don't know if she was doing it intuitively or just knew that, you know, she just needed that time to herself. And that's what she did. The other thing my mom did was my mom didn't drink. And now she drinks wine every day. And so I remember asking her, like, growing up, I thought you just weren't a drinker at all. You know, my dad would come home. He would have some kind of little, like, you know, glass of some kind of hard liquor um, every night, you know, a little cocktail. But my mom never did. And and when I asked her about that, she said, well, I couldn't. You know, I was I was caregiving. I, I really didn't think, you know, she didn't want to. It didn't feel like that was like she needed it in that same way. And she didn't want to because she felt like that wouldn't have been good to be in charge of these children and be drinking. And so it's interesting because now she has a glass of wine every night and, and you know, she found a different outlet that probably was healthier in a lot of ways. Again, this isn't to say people shouldn't, you know, have their glass of wine or drink, but that might not necessarily be a stress relief. It might be kind of a Band-Aid. And so it brings the question, like, what is the best way that caregivers can take care of themselves because they ultimately have to. Just by definition, if you are giving care to others, and again, it could be in the form of being a mother, a father, or it could be in the form of taking care of someone. It could be that you're a teacher. It could be that you are taking care of a a parent or a spouse or a neighbor or a family relative. And you are caring. You are giving care. And so you have to do the opposite of that. You also have to take care. You have to take that back. You have to do things to keep you balanced. So physically and emotionally, mentally, you're not going to be drained and ultimately burned out. And you know, I looked up some caregiving stats and it was really quite staggering. I mean, it was a majority of caregivers of any kind are still female. Caregiver stress is just so prevalent. And that is caregiver stress can include that you have social isolation, that you feel depressed, that you have financial difficulties, um, that you're living with the person you're caring for. That will add to the caregiver stress, of course, because you never are getting out. You know, it's not like you leave, like you come in and care give and then leave the house and have your space. So that that increased stress is present, especially if you're living with the people you're caring for. You have more um, likelihood for caregiver stress and kind of burnout if you spend a lot, a higher number of hours caregiving. If you lack coping skills and you have problems with uh, problem solving, And ultimately, if you lack the choice, if you are kind of have to be a caregiver and you don't have a choice. So this is really true for like single parents or people that are caregiving um, for a parent or spouse because they don't have, there are are no other means to do that. So just know that your, 
level of stress will be higher with those type of factors. If you are feeling some of these signs of caregiver stress, you this is really, here's your chance to start thinking about how you can relieve some of it. If you're feeling constantly worried or overwhelmed, if you are feeling fatigued often, if you're not getting enough sleep or you're all you're doing is wanting to sleep, if you're um, not able to balance your weight, either gaining or losing weight, um, if you're easily angry or, or irritated at people, and when you lose interest in other activities that you might have previously enjoyed, if you feel sad, if you have body aches and headaches and other physical stuff, or you're abusing alcohol or drugs. These are all, again, signs that you have, you know, you've got caregiver stress and really, really need to take care of yourself. All this information I'm reading right now is from a variety of sources, but pulling mainly from the Mayo Clinic because they have a whole kind of site just for caregiver stress. And so thinking about how you can better care for yourself, how you can take care. Well, you know, my mom, going back to her, one of the best things you can do is accept help. And my parents didn't have a lot of money, and so they couldn't pay for a lot of outside help. But she did accept help from other relatives, whether it was in the form of like sending a little money or my grandmother would come and help out um, whenever she could just to give my mom a little off moment. Accepting help from neighbors, accepting help from friends. It can be just that you are able to take care of yourself and and take a walk. If you can have a friend or family member um, come in and either watch the children or watch the person you're caregiving so that you're able to get out of the house and do something for yourself. And that getting out of the house, by the way, could incorporate like an errand that you need to get done and you would be stressed about not doing it. But just getting out of the house and taking a walk and then going and getting an errand and doing an errand or asking for help to get that errand, asking for someone to help you pick up some groceries um, so that you don't have to add that to your list. And I I know in my own caregiving, I, I had a very different situation. And sometimes my mom and I will joke about it because she's like, you'll never know what it was like. And I'm like, you're right. I won't. Because I have a partner, my husband, who was an equal caregiver in every sense of the way. He was caregiving for our children, for the house, for me. And so I know how fortunate I am to have that because I didn't have any of that feeling of caregiver stress of like, I've got to get out of here. I have to, you know, want to go to sleep because I'm so tired or, you know, I'm sure I was irritable, but everybody does when they, you know, don't get enough sleep when the babies are little. It's just, it's just ask for that and ask for it from your partner if you're not getting it enough. Sometimes when the partner is not as involved in caregiving, um, he or she doesn't realize how much of a strain that can be, how much energy it requires. So it could be like a kind of sneaky way of showing them. You know, if you say, I really want to go visit my friend for a weekend and I'll make a list of some things that you might not be aware of that need to be done and giving, it can be eye-opening. I've had lots of friends who've said that, you know, when it wasn't until they went away, even for a night, that their partners didn't really recognize how much 
caregiving requires. And that appreciation is important because with that appreciation, when you ask for help, your partner, your friend, whoever will really understand how much you're already doing and will be probably more um, agreeable to helping. The other thing it's important to do beyond just asking and accepting help is don't feel guilty. You know, really feel um, feel proud of yourself for what you are providing. It's a it's hard because caregiving is not something that is there's often like a tangible evidence of it. Sometimes you are paid to caregive if you're caregiving and that's your job. But, you know, caregiving for a family member, caregiving for your children, it is um, that the work is in the outcome or the the product is, you know, your children being raised with care. There is not like some kind of tangible way of assessing your caregiving skills. So you have to recognize what you're providing and feel really strong about that, feel very proud about that. And feel that even though it is not um, giving, like a, there's not a dollar value, it is a priceless, priceless form of contributing. And so even if it's not recognized, which it still isn't, you know, in the world, you have to really um, recognize your value and recognize what you're providing because that'll also help you feel um, rewarded, you know, in some way. It's really important for caregivers to take care of themselves by by staying connected to yourself, but also staying connected to others. So there are lots of resources out there for caregivers, especially for caregivers who are doing it for spouses, for partners, for not children, right? But there are even ones that for children. So I look back again at my mom, and she joined a... um, it was at the time mother of twins club because there were so few triplets around. There were so few multiples beyond twins. And she was the first mother that had triplets, but we were in the mother of twins club. And what that involved is um, once a month, we would we would all gather together, all these mothers and their children, have a potluck. The children would play and the mothers would chat. And, and I know how much that meant to my mom to have that community especially of mothers that had, you know, more than a single kid, you know, that had that had twins. And of course, my mom had triplets. And I'm sure there's all kinds of variations now of those type of groups. But reach out for those groups because there's no one that's going to understand caregiving like you would and like other people who are doing the same thing. So if you're caregiving for a spouse, so I watched my mother-in-law many years take care of my father-in-law who um, had Parkinson's. And she got very involved in the community and and got him involved in the community and made friends with other caregivers as well. And that helped her a lot because there was a lot of stress of of watching your partner decline and having to care for them. There there is a tremendous amount of stress. And again, no one is going to completely understand that and empathize with that in the same degree that someone else who's going through the same thing, can. So stay connected to others, but stay connected to yourself. Just like my mom knew intuitively, I need to go and read a book in my room without anybody else around 
for a certain amount of time every day. That was her touchstone. She also took walks when we were at school. She also took some exercise stretching classes, which were a great way to stay in tune with her body, but also to convene with other moms who were doing the same thing. So take care of yourself. It doesn't have to be something that takes an hour. And when you do it, don't feel guilty. My own experience is I never felt guilty about doing something for myself. I think that was so hardwired as being one of a triplet and just inevitably, I always say my mom was outmanned, so we had to kind of take care of ourselves to a degree. Just because if there's three of us, she can't focus on all of us, so the other two were going to also have to be a little bit independent. So I always felt independent, and that in, in that independence, there was this absolute need and desire to take care of myself. So I was genuinely surprised when I became a mother, when I owned a studio and saw many, so many mothers coming to the studio, how prevalent it was for women to feel guilty about doing something for themselves. And I don't know if this is a conditional thing from society, from culture, from upbringing, but can we please lose that? Because mothers should never feel guilty for doing something for themselves. You must take care of yourself first. That doesn't mean first in the order of things that need to be done, like in a linear way, but first in the sense that it should be a non-negotiable. So if you have a baby at home, there should still be some moments where you tend to yourself. You know, sometimes they'll say when the baby's napping, you should nap. Nap if you feel like it or do something for yourself. Do some movement practice. You can't take a walk and leave the baby, but to something that is genuinely just for you to help you refuel. And if that's reading a book like my mom did, do that. But no, everybody everybody will know a thing that makes you feel more alive and more connected to yourself and do that. And in the process of doing that, help yourself be more organized by coming up with some kind of goals, you know, tasks that need to be done, but prioritize, make list. I know moms are really good. This caregivers are probably good with this, but make list to help establish some kind of routine so that you can prioritize what needs to get done and you are at the top of that priority. And that might mean saying no to things that are going to pull you away from your priority, number one, you and other things. But having these tasks that you have to do and kind of breaking them into smaller chunks will be helpful so you don't get that overwhelmed feeling that many caregivers can get. And, you know, finally, seek social support in any way. It could be in the form, again, of, of a mother's group like my mom joined. It could be another support group if you are taking care of someone that's not your child. This will give you more encouragement, more validation, more coping and problem-solving skills, which are all going to be helpful for, for eliminating that tendency to have caregiver stress. And the, the social support also will help you um, s- keep connected and, and keep that social, that kind of tuning in, right? If we get a little less social, more withdrawn, it, it's harder to break into it. So think even after these two years of being a little less social because of, you know, COVID, we we need we need that time together, and and it doesn't have to be, 
every day, but maybe every week, think of some way you can set aside some time for connecting with others, taking a walk with friend, having a friend over with their child. And so that you're, you know, not able to leave your house maybe, or not able to have a babysitter, but you can have a friend over and the children can play together. And that's like, I did a lot of that when my, my babies were young. Um, that was really important to have that social connection for the moms and the babies can also be together. So seek that social support. And finally, I don't have to say it too many times, but take care of your physical and mental health by making sure that you are sticking to a good um, sleep routine. It's really easy when you're caring for others all day to just want to veg out at night and watch a movie, which is totally fine unless it affects how much sleep you're getting because sleep is crucial for keeping your shit together, right? It's You have to get enough sleep. And so maybe set aside one night that you, you know, stay up a little later and watch a movie or something. But doing it every single night and losing your sleep is actually not going to be good for you. It's not like you're decompressing. You're really losing out on the benefit and the, the recharge that you get from good sleep. And similarly, make a commitment to be physically active at some point every single day. It does not have to be an hour. It can be 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. You're making dinner. You're doing this. You're playing with your kid. Be physical because being physical is going to recharge your body, recharge your spirit, and not get you into that kind of grumpy, sedentary state of physical or mental mind that you know never feels good and leads to more stress and more of that kind of burnout feeling. And make sure you drink a lot of water. I mean, water, when we're dehydrated, we feel more tired. We feel more grumpy. There, there's where headaches will crop up. Drink a ton of water and eat well. You are fueling yourself. You're taking care of yourself. You need to take that care back so that you are your best for you and for whoever you're caregiving for. Because caregiving it requires uh, tenderness and it requires intimacy and, and contact. And, and you need to direct that first to yourself, that tenderness, that intimacy. How would you take care of you if, if, if you were a caregiver? You would do that with that same gentleness and, and that respect that you need to have. Um, because again, this is, it's an important role. It's a role that many will have in their life as being a parent or being a caregiver for a family member. And when we, when we start off, the, even if you're you know, in your 20s and you're not yet in this position, start off having this as a habit of taking care of you. And it will be easier to then take care of others without neglecting yourself. So in this month of May, I'm saluting all the caregivers out there in the world whether you're mothers to humans, mothers to fur animals, um, caregivers for family, caregivers as a job. There's a lot of caregivers out there and we all need to bond together to make sure we take care of ourselves and support one another. And that will keep us sane and dare I say, happy. So as always, I'm pulling for you.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.